Welcome to some more great Bible preaching from the pulpit of Capital City Baptist Church in the heart of Austin, Texas. Our prayer is that your relationship with Christ is strengthened and that you are blessed by the time you spend in the Word of God with us today. Titus chapter 2, Titus 2, we'll start with verse 1. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Now that word become or becometh means to beautify. So he said speak the things that beautify sound doctrine. The longer I live and the more I preach, the more I appreciate those two words, sound doctrine. I like sound doctrine. I want our church to have sound doctrine. I want our children to grow up around sound doctrine. Amen? How many of you want to go a different direction and seek for something other than sound doctrine? Good. That means we're all on the same page this morning. Verse 2, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. We won't speak about that verse this morning. Maybe we'll save that verse for Father's Day. We'll just skip right down to verse 3. That the aged women... Now, I'm not going to categorize who falls in that group. Let's just say the women with some age. I'm still in trouble. God's the one that put that word in there. So please just make personal application. Likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. The longer I live, the more I see the importance of simply going back to this book for all of life's instruction, guidance, and counsel. I'm not against good books. I have a library with thousands of books. I'm an avid reader. But I'm convinced that God has the solutions, and I'm fearful that we as Christians often seek counsel in the wrong place. And we've allowed this world to define the position of motherhood or fatherhood. And we've allowed this world to demean or minimize the responsibility of a mother. They've glorified the career woman, and I understand uh, society and the obligations of providing for a family, but I'm convinced a woman's primary obligation is to care for her husband and her children, and that's not any less of a role, that's a larger role. Now, men, if you want to understand the magnitude of that role, give your wife seven days of vacation, send her anywhere she would like to go, and then you take care of the kids. You normally can't survive two or three hours, let alone six or seven days. I have messed up washing machines. I have destroyed clothes. I have done horrific things in the absence of my wife, like feed my children cereal for seven straight days, <laughs> three meals a day. Now, we can survive without mom. We just can't survive for very long. 
And I appreciate my wife. I appreciate her godly spirit. I appreciate her focus and her love for her husband and her children. But here's what I want to do. I want to go through what the Bible says about motherhood, about a biblical mother, a godly mother, what God says is her role and her position. And verse 3 starts out with, look what it says, the aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness. So number one, God requires of a biblical mother that she be a godly example. Now, my mother didn't know what I was preaching on this morning, but she's sitting up front, so it's easy to visually see a great example of someone who is a godly mother. I thank God for my mother-in-law. And I know other people will tell jokes and laugh, but the bottom line is it's very difficult for me to tell a mother-in-law joke because I have nearly a perfect mother-in-law. And I thank God for someone who loves God and the Word of God and the principles of the Word of God, someone who is chaste, someone who is virtuous. And you can look at both of these women and say, here are two people who followed this command of being a godly example. And your primary concern ought to be if I'm going to rear children and if I'm going to have those children grow up and love God and serve God, I know you're a teacher, I know you're an instructor, but it starts with an example. Not one day in my life, if I had those ladies come home with the smell of alcohol on their breath, I've never had my mother blow smoke from a cigarette into my face or even into our house. I remember every day uh, of our lives coming down. Uh, my mother was a drill sergeant and we would have to wake up very early and we would come down the stairs with our Bible, but we would come down never ever in my life did we beat our mother downstairs. She would already be sitting in her chair with her Bible open. Now, I don't know if you've had this privilege, but if you see my mother, my mother-in-law's Bible, they're well-worn and worn out and marked and tear-stained. And I thank God for both a mother and a mother-in-law and a wife who are godly examples and the best thing that you can do for your children, the best thing you can do for your church, the best thing you can do for the future of your grandchildren is set a godly example. Because if you say something or if you go to church and your life says something else, you're undermining anything you could ever teach those kids. And here's what he did. Listen, there's, there's a list here of things where we're supposed to show a Bible example, behavior as it becometh holiness. And the first thing out of his mouth after this, look what it says, the next line, not false accusers. So as a mother, you should be holy in your speech. Amen. Now, you would, you would have to follow my mother-in-law around 24-7 with a recording device to ever hear her say anything negative, derogatory, or even appearing to be gossip towards another person. Now, here's the, here's the best way to avoid being a false accuser. If you're supposed to be holding your speech, you should say, I just won't repeat anything I hear. 
and I'll filter what, most of what I hear. Because if you want to avoid a false accusation, now, that's what Satan does. Satan's called the accuser of the brethren. So to avoid falling in that category, or a, God says you cannot be an example of holy behavior if you have an uncontrolled tongue, something that's constantly attacking or saying things that are negative, derogatory, or accusing those around you. So the best way to avoid that is simply to say, I'm not going to repeat information that I've heard about other people because there's no way I want to slip into the possibility of throwing out a false accusation. Amen. And one of the easiest ways to lose your children is to have them grow up in the house where mother's constantly picking at, complaining about, and criticizing whether it's the authority that God's put in their lives or other Christians in the church. What kind of opinion is that child going to grow up with if he has a mother that's constantly attacking and criticizing other members of the church? You know what? Everyone in this church knows this place is a hospital, a spiritual hospital. That means everyone in here has a sickness called sin. That means everyone in here has their imperfections. No need to highlight them. They'll probably notice a few here and there as they grow up. The best thing you could do is, is simply say, I don't even want my kids to notice. I laugh, but one of our young ladies that Pastor Bob and I greatly appreciate, and yes, we do have favorites, and she's one of our favorites, but she asked her mom the other day, has Pastor ever committed a sin? And that just made me love her more. <laughs> Whatever sickness she has, I hope it's contagious. But here's what a mother ought to portray to those children that the people of God are wonderful people. And the last thing, listen, that child should hear mom praising authority, talking good about other church members, praying to God. Uh, that child should see mom witnessing to friends and neighbors and lost relatives. Those are the things that that child should hear mom saying not something that's attacking, derogatory, and critical because then you establish that mindset where all you see in those around you are the negatives. So if you're going to show holy behavior, behavior that becometh holiness, it starts with your speech. It starts with your mouth. Now, he showed us another. Go back to 1 Timothy chapter 2. Paul, who is writing these two young preachers, Timothy and Titus, Paul says it shouldn't just be holiness of speech, but holiness of dress. Look what it says in 1 Timothy. Aren't you glad that God didn't leave it up to us to define holiness? He did us the favor. I'm so glad that I don't have to sit up here and define holiness because, you know, I would be frustrated with you. You would be frustrated with me. We couldn't find any point of agreement. And God said, let me just clarify the subject. Let me just put it down in black and white so there's no misunderstanding. There's enough misunderstandings when it's in black and white. Amen? 1 Timothy 2, 9 and 10. In like manner also that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel. So what is holiness? What is behavior that becomes holiness? Modesty. And let me just say this, women. Uh, everyone wants to be fashionable. I don't think there's anything wrong with being fashionable. I thank God for ladies that know how to be both holy and fashionable. 
And I, I don't think there's anything more difficult than trying to witness and see people saved. And this world is so far from God when they come to the church house, what they see and hear is shocking. But I appreciate that the women of this church can be both holy and fashionable. But when the fashion of society becomes immoral, it's time to stop being fashionable. In this day and age, it's difficult to go to a store and buy clothes that are both fashionable and modest. You've got to fix them or rework them, basically come up with a new outfit from a piece of cloth that you paid a lot of money for at your local store, right? And here's what God said. God said, as a mother, you should show behavior that becometh holiness, and you do it. Thank God you can look at my mother. And this world knows on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, there goes a holy woman. Very fashionable. Very holy. Look what it says in verse 9. With shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair, gold, or pearls, or costly array, but which becometh women, what's it saying? Professing godliness. I believe you ought to do your hair and look nice. And I, men, not just because it's Mother's Day or Mother's Day weekend, I believe you ought to take your wife out and spend some money. If you spend $400, $500 on golf clubs, you ought to spend the same amount on clothes for your wife. She uses those clothes every day. You can only use those clubs once a week. And when you reuse those clubs, it costs you 40 or $50. Maybe she won't burn the toast next time she makes your breakfast. <laughs> Do you really think it's an accident that every morning she burns the toast? She's trying to give you a hint. Now go back with me to Titus chapter 2. What is the purpose of this godly example that a mother is supposed to set? In verse 5, it says, look at the last phrase, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Now here's what you don't want. You don't want your children growing up to blaspheme the word of God because they heard one thing and then what they saw in their mother on a daily basis was something contrary to the word of God. You don't want your children growing up thinking that their mother is a hypocrite. I thank God that my mother put in me a desire for the word of God and the things of God. And that didn't just come through her teaching or through her instruction, but by her daily example. Now, there's a promise that comes with this kind of godly example and godly living. Look what it says in 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. How many of you would like to know the mind of God? How do we know the mind of God? How do we find out the mind of God? Through the word of God. I'll help you out for those of you that don't know the author of 1 Peter. It's not Adam Thompson. I had nothing to do with writing Timothy, Titus, or 1 Peter. This was Peter the Apostle under the divine inspiration of the Holy Spirit. This was God using Peter's hand to write this scripture. This is God's mindset. Let's see what God says about motherhood 
And wives, likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be one. Wait a minute. So here's what Peter is saying. If you married someone that's unsaved, you're a born-again child of God, and you want to win him, you want to see him one to Christ, you don't have to pull out your Bible and preach to him the Romans road. That's probably one of the worst things you could do is take every piece of wood and use it as a pulpit and every kitchen chair to use as a platform to preach at that unsaved husband. To the contrary, Peter said, with, you can win them without the word. Now, don't try this on anyone else. But how do you win that unsaved husband? Not by pulling out the Bible and giving him a 30-minute devotional. Not by re-preaching what the pastor preached on Sunday. But it says he can be won by the conversation, by the holy living of that woman. Here's a promise that God gives you. If you have an unsaved husband and you want that man to get born again, you live in such a holy manner, he cannot deny God's working in your life. He can't deny the fruit of the Spirit. He can't deny the presence of God in you. And he says, whatever you have is worth having. Amen. Look what it says, verse 2. While they behold, not while they listen to your preaching, not while they hear your rants, while they behold, that means to see, to observe your chaste conversation. Once again, that conversation is not speaking of words, but a life that you are living coupled with fear, whose adorning let it not be the outward adorning of the plating of hair and the wearing of gold or the putting on of apparel. And some of the men say, looky there, looky there, I don't have to buy you any gold because it says not the wearing of gold. Sorry, man, you're taking something out of context looking for an excuse to make Mother's Day cheaper this year. Verse 4, But let it be the hidden man at the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit. And God said, listen, if you take this road, if you try this tactic, you have a much greater chance of being successful in seeing that husband saved through behavior that becometh holiness by being a good, godly example for him to see Christ in you. Amen. How many believe the scripture? Yes, sir. How many believe that promise? Yes, How many of you believe that God knows what he's talking about when he says, if you want a tactic that works and you want a husband to get saved, try this tactic. Let that husband see Christ in you. Now go back to Titus chapter 2. Let's see a second thing. Biblical mothers are to be godly examples. There's a second thing here. Biblical mothers are to be teachers. Look what the last phrase of verse 3 says. It says teachers of what? Teachers of good things. Verse 4. That they may teach the young women. Now, mothers are instructors. They have a God-given command to teach. Now, there are two groups here that the scripture mentions. Number one is not just your children, but the younger women in general. Did you know that your obligation, those of you that have a little bit of age, 
those of you that have a little bit of life's experience, I'm not supposed to be the one that has to take service time to continually instruct our younger women. God says in this case, you may not have the pulpit you may not have a 7 o'clock hour service. And, and we're not just talking about ladies' Bible studies. And we have designated days and times for women to get together and be instructed in the Word of God. But this is talking about a regular instruction where those aged women take the younger women and give them instruction so they know how to behave themselves and also to be a godly example. Now, what... What are the aged that's supposed to teach the younger women? God's very specific. I like how specific God is. He, he said, just to clarify what I'm talking about. Now, some of you are stuck this morning. You don't know what to do or what to think because you're so used to being able to say, well, that's Old Testament. I'm just going to throw that out the window. And, and, and that's, that's for the tribulation period. I'm going to throw that out the window. And you're so used to having some excuse to throw it out the window that now that it's New Testament, you're trying to figure out what to do with this text. You can't throw it out. This is for you. Amen. Matter of fact, all of the Word of God is for you. Amen. So I would just stop trying to throw it out. This will help your marriage. This will help you as a mother. This will help you down the road with the rearing of your children. But a mother is supposed to be a teacher, but when she teaches the younger women, look what she's supposed to teach them. To be sober. Now, I don't believe that our young ladies at 15 need to be overly serious. They're kids. But our young ladies ought to know how to behave themselves. Soberly. I have no problem with a young lady giggling or a woman giggling. Um, and I have. That's why we send the ladies on trips. And when we send them to conferences, we send them far, far away. So that way, in a vehicle, they don't have to be so sober. And then after the aged women see the unsober behavior, they can instruct them in sobriety. <laughs> to love their husbands. Now, one of the things you're supposed to teach the younger ladies is to love. They will love naturally that man, but they need to be taught how to love. The Bible says in Genesis 2.18 that God made the woman to be a helpmeet. And the aged women are supposed to teach the younger women how to be helpmeets because that's not natural and alone. Now, here's the problem. Normally, it's an unsaved actor by way or an actress by way of a movie that is instructing and teaching our young ladies how to love. Now, can you imagine if Hollywood is the standard and Hollywood is teaching and instructing our young ladies how to properly love a man? How messed up is that? How many of you say, I prefer God's word as my instructor, my God, my standard? And not, listen, follow some of those actresses as they get married for a sixth time, as they go to the doctor for venereal diseases, that's not a person I want instructing my daughters on how to love Amen. a husband. Amen. Teach them to love their husbands, to love their children. Now, you would think this would be natural, but in society now it's very unnatural. And look at the children that are being raised in orphanages. Look at the children across this nation that spend so little time with mom and dad. And let me just say this, a babysitter, a daycare Center is not going to love your child like you're supposed to love your child. Yes, sir. 
God gave you that job and a young child needs to be loved emotionally and that love needs to come from mom and dad. And if you're never at home, if you're never with that child, if you're not there during their moment of crisis, if you're not there during their moment of instruction, and here's what the communists have said for centuries, you give us the first seven years of that child's life and we'll have him until he dies. And this is a nation that's taking children the first seven years of their life and saying, I don't have time to be a mom. I don't have time to invest in my kids. And when you do have time, instead of being able to love them and instruct them and pay attention to them, you're worn out, you're tired, you're frustrated, you're busy. The most harmful thing you can do for that child is allow him to grow up without experiencing a mother's love. They need to be taught. So as aged women, this is not just your pastor's job. If you're over 40, you should be mentoring a younger lady and teaching them, here's how you love your husband. Here's how you love your children. That's your job. That's an important part of your life. God designated to you, to do, as long as you have that husband, as long as you have those children, to be discreet. You're supposed to teach them to be discreet. You know, we have a generation of young ladies that aren't very discreet, and the aged ladies, they're supposed to teach our younger ladies to be discreet. There's nothing worse that you can do for your marriage than to be indiscreet. Chaste. You have to teach chastity to this generation. That's moral purity. Listen, you guard your purity for one man. And when you say, I do, you walk into that pure. You stay chaste. Now, that's not just leading up to marriage. That's after marriage. You should even be more chaste. You should give yourself to one man and one man alone. You should be chaste in the way you dress. You should never be flirtatious. Here's the way that, that it was written. Go back to keep your finger here in Titus because we're going to finish reading this. But look at the way it was written and described in Proverbs 31. A virtuous woman, that's a chaste woman, that's described here in Proverbs chapter 31, verse 10 says, who can find a virtuous woman? for her price is far above rubies. Now look what it says, because of her chastity, verse 11, the heart of her husband doth safely trust in her. I thank God for a wife that I can trust all times under all circumstances. I don't worry about my wife. There have been times she's had to do things and she'll be out till 11 o'clock. I've never sat back and said, I wonder where my wife is or who she's with or what she's saying or what she's doing. Yes, I've never doubted my wife's virtue or chastity. Amen. And I hope you don't behave in such a manner that your husband would have to worry about you. I hope the heart of your husband doth safely trust in you at all times knowing here's a person that's concerned about holiness and testimony. But those are things that have to be taught. Go back to Titus 
chapter 2. So we're to teach those things, but it's not just teaching the younger women, but it's also teaching your children. Now, mothers, here's what's amazing. Go, just step back one book because we find a great example in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, in the example of Timothy. Paul mentions in chapter 3, verse 15, that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. How is it that Timothy was used of God in such a great manner? He was Paul's little assistant. This preacher boy grew to be a tremendous help to the early church. But it started in his childhood. Look what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. Just the page before that, 2 Timothy 1, 5. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith, that means the faith that was real, that is in thee which dwelt. Now circle this little word. What's it say? First, in who? Thy grandmother Lois, thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Now, don't turn there for sake of time, but if you go to Acts 16, here's what Paul mentions. We, according to the scripture, we know that his father was a Greek and one of two things happened in Timothy's life. His father either died or he was never saved. He never had any spiritual influence on Timothy. But his mother was a believer with unfeigned faith. That came from her mother. So he is a third generation Christian whose faith is unfeigned, whose faith is strong because two ladies without the help of a man and regrettably, listen to me fathers, too many times the man in the home, the father is not present and does not fulfill his role in teaching the scripture to his children. The father also is supposed to be the teacher. But you know what, ladies? Even when the father figure is missing, there are countless examples. Now, rare is the case where the mother's missing and the father pulls off a miracle. But you can see multitudes of examples, both in Scripture and in daily life, where a mother without the help of a godly father was able to instill in those children enough Bible and enough faith to keep them strong throughout their entire life. I thank God for a mother with a Bible. And listen, it's Bible stories. It's Bible convictions. There's no greater gift than you can give to your children than to teach them the word of God. And here's, listen, you don't want to mess up that child. So what you don't want to do is sit down and say, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Those kids don't need to hear. Don't do that. Don't do that. They're going to get upset and become a rebel. You know what they need to hear? You know what? God has some principles in his word. Here's what God wants to do. Here's the way God wants us to live. Here's why God wants us to live that way. There's some consequences that we can avoid. There are some rewards that he wants to give us. And God has your best interest in mind. That's how you teach that child. And if a mother sits down with a Bible and goes through Bible stories and goes through Bible principles and establishes Bible standards and convictions, here's what you have, a young man that became a great leader for the cause of Christ because mom took that Bible. I want to tell you about Noah and the ark and the dangers of a strong drink. I want to teach you about Abraham 
in the faith that led him to be faithful until he was a hundred years old, till that promised child was born. I want to tell you about Moses and the godly man and the godly leader that he was. Forty years in the desert with a bunch of gripers, and he survived. So you can survive 12 years of school. <laughs> they need to hear that from mama. They need to hear that on a regular basis. Now go back with me to Titus, and we will finish our Bible study. So a mother's supposed to be a godly example. A biblical mother's supposed to be a teacher. Then number three, look what it says in verse five. That they may, verse 4 says that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, love their children, to be discreet, chaste, and then look at the next word. Listen, when Paul wrote this to him, Paul wrote this under the guidance and leadership of the Holy Spirit, and he said that a godly mother is supposed to be what? Keepers at home. The problem is this isn't politically correct. It doesn't fit into the teaching of society. And that's why in society we see the divorce rate skyrocketing. Children growing up. Our delinquent centers are full. Kids are running the street. You can find graffiti all across our cities, all across our nation, because mothers are no longer keepers at home. We've taken that, that role as a mother, minimized it, mocked it, laughed at it, and said, let's just have society be their mother. Not a good idea. You're the one that birthed that child. You're God's ordained person to rear that child. So that means you have the privilege for the next 18 years to focus on that child, that precious child, amen, that can have an incredible impact for the cause of Christ. If that child has a mother in their lives, a keeper at home. Now, here's what that means. Here's why I don't like that verse. How many of you notice the cost of living is going up? How many notice how difficult that is? Now, you say, preacher, how much time should a wife spend at home? Listen, that's, I'm not going to throw out those hours. I'm not going to throw out that time. Every person's life is different. Every person's demands and requirements are unique. But you should spend enough time at home that you can fulfill your role as the mother. And that depends on the age of your children. That's, that depends on whether or not they're in school. That depends how young they are. There's a lot of factors there. But the bottom line is this. God wants you fulfilling your role. In order to fulfill that role, you are going to have to be a keeper at home, which means there's a house to clean. I thank God for my wife, wow, do I ever thank God for my wife? Because if there's one thing I want in life, it's a clean house. I thank God I can put my hand on a coffee table and not be the dust rag. I thank God uh, I can walk in. I know where to find my clothes. I know they're ironed. They're in their place. I just thank God from the day we got married. She's kept an incredibly clean house. Matter of fact, if there's any disagreement at times I've said babe listen you don't need to move the couch when you vacuum you did that yesterday <laughs> wives you need to be a keeper of the house and you say how busy is too busy well let me say this I've met too many women that get a job 
And all they've got that job to do is to pay for someone to do their job. They have just enough money to pay for the transportation back and forth to work, and then they pay for someone to watch their kids and clean their house. It doesn't make much sense to get a job to have someone doing what you're supposed to already be doing because they can't do the job like you can do it. I believe the principles of this book truly do work. Now, let me ask you this. How many believe this book? I believe it cover to cover, and the longer I live, the more I believe it. And the further that the society pushes God in this word from themselves, the worse society becomes. The fewer answers they have, the more psychologists they have to visit, the more pills they give to the kids in the school, the more disasters they create, the more shootings and stabbings they have. You know why? Because they've said this book doesn't work, but they're, they're lying. This book does work. Look what happened 100 years ago and 200 years when this society, American society, was still living by the principles of this book. Go back 40 years and look at the biblical curriculum that they were teaching in the Dallas school district. It would blow your mind. But amazingly, divorces were lower. Kids were respectful because you had mothers that were focused on their primary responsibility. I would make a happy home your first priority. We certainly hope that you've enjoyed this message today, but more importantly, we hope that the Lord has challenged you in some way to grow in your Christian life. For more information about our church, including directions and times of services, please visit our website at www.capitalcitybaptist.org.